I'm Batman. Good luck, Harry Potter. Well, cover me with eggs and flour and bake me for 40 minutes. Hello, and welcome to Scream Masters with me, Bav. Me, Fluff. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to continue looking at the Ip Man movie series, the one starring Donnie Yen, as we discussed last time. There are a few different interpretations, but these are the ones that we are choosing to look at. So today we'll be covering Ip Man 3, Ip Man 4, and the spin-off, uh, hang on, give me a second, I got it, Master Z, Ip Man Legacy. Correct. That's what it's called. Um so yes, as usual, let's get the admin out of the way. Um, you can join in the conversation and see what's going on with us over at the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the screen masters. Um, you can go and uh, watch our stuff over on YouTube, uh, which is bit.ly forward slash yt, or you can email us directly at screenmasters at bitebackmedia.co.uk and in both instances the bite is spelt as a computer bite not a food bite so today i would like to turn to the words here it comes late 90s well mid to late 90s i suppose really um pop rock band go on republica republica right okay Republica. now this Okay, let me just read some lines, right? Okay, okay. So, starting from the beginning. Okay. Kowloon Gardens was somewhere a shortcut through, till I met you. Now we're lying on your bed watching kung fu movies. There are no days or nights, just you and me and Bruce Lee. Appropriate. Fitting. Exactly. Now, even more ridiculously, because obviously, if you're anything like me, people out there, as far as you were aware, Republica had one song. Um, It was called Ready to Go if you remember that one from the mid nineties. Um, and that's the only song I think anyone ever knew of them, but reading more and more about that particular song called Kung Fu movies. Um, it, it's actually directly about it, man. It even it goes on uh, to, to talk about Kowloon and training in the dojos and the diff- a couple of different fighting styles are mentioned. It's ridiculous that just there you randomly go. I have to put a song. How appropriate. There you is go. entirely appropriate to exactly <laughs> the subject matter we're looking at. So I thought I'd keep that one in today. So, it's not been a huge amount of time since we last met, but I have been watching some things. Yeah, I've been watching things that I thought I would things. mention. I mean, obviously, I've, I've undertaken for the listeners... I begun the undertaking of all seven seasons of uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars animated series, <laughs> which is uh, obviously for a future episode. Um, so yes, that is the majority of my time, but I have been watching some other things. But you go ahead. I've talked enough so far. Let me have a Yeah, no, I mean... And, like, uh, you tell us what you've been watching. No, likewise, like you say, I have finished the final season of The Clone Wars, so I, I had finished that, so I look forward to talking with you in earnest about that. Your hesitation of discussing all things say dark saber etc will soon vanish once you've started watching these oh, which is nice quite because yes nice. that's where i'm gonna learn the, the the secrets of it but fair enough 
Yeah. So the, again, that's for a throwback to the Mandalorian uh, episode, uh, which we did a little while back, where we were discussing the uh, the dark saber, which appears at the end, and it's kind of explained within Clone Wars, and and then the subsequent series Rebels, which again, hopefully, you'll get around to watching. Uh, so yeah, I finished the last series of that. Thoroughly enjoyed it. A lot to talk about, but we can obviously talk about that at that separate stage. Uh, the other thing that I've I've been very very uh, very focused on watching and, and catching up with the past two seasons of The Dark Side of the Ring, which I know, again, we've talked about yeah. off pod. Um, so for those who don't know what Dark Side of the Ring is, it is uh, tales from the not-so-nice parts of wrestling lore, uh, wrestling history. So we've got episodes which are based around different uh, characters or different personalities from that era, the the murder of bruiser brody which was absolutely fascinating didn't know much about that that was really interesting uh randy savage and miss elizabeth again everybody knows who randy savage is if, if you've even heard uh pro wrestling you'll know who say hulk hogan randy savage is from from the 80s that was really interesting there are the Isn't sad ones bone saw in the first spider-man as well the, yes the he Toby was yes spider-man yes. he was bone saw yes he was yes yes he was um the sad episodes about uh, Chris Benoit and, and Eddie Guerrero, <laughs> that was very heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, that was but, a heartbreaker. Though, uh, you know, again, just shows the incredibly awesomeness uh, of, of Chris Jericho, as as we all know anyway. The guy's a, a true superstar for, for the things that he did. And uh, obviously this week was the, the last of the second series, which covered the events uh, leading up to uh, the death of Owen Hart, which again we've discussed Gosh, off yeah, pod. It's again, something that, was a that heartbreaking one. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, watching that live when that happened way back when I can still remember uh, way back in the nineties when me and my brother were watching that on pay per view uh, and that whole thing. So yeah, so that's uh, although it's not <laughs> the nicest and happiest uh, of programs, it was something that was thoroughly enjoyable uh, as a wrestling fan. And if you are a wrestling fan, I do encourage you to find and uh and, and watch the dark side it's a, of the it's a fantastic uh, documentary series i mean mm-hmm. even some i mean some of them yes i would say you're probably going to get more out of it if you're a wrestling fan but ones like the the cocaine and cowboy boots the oh, abrams yeah. story if you're just aware that wrestling is a, a thing that happens then you don't really need to know anything more about wrestling to hear the story you know to understand the story of a new startup business that comes up to try and take over the big boys mm-hmm and fails due to ridiculous mismanagement and substance abuse largely <laughs> um but you know i think that one is is the most accessible i've seen so far because you you don't need to know the inner workings of the wrestling business yeah, it, it is just about a, a new upstart trying to take take on the big boys and and his journey therein yeah, I mean, as a lifelong wrestling fan, obviously I've t- it took a dip for a good number of years, but I never knew as as much about the history of some of this uh, as as has been revealed. It's been really, really enjoyable to to kind of watch this stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, some stuff I knew about because it was during the era that I was watching it. But yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of been my watches uh, again <laughs> in the last say week or so. How about yourself? I know you've been. Came in through Clone Wars, but I'm sure you've been watching yes, other indeed. things. Yes, indeed. Well, I got <laughs> me and the children watched one uh, only yesterday, actually, and I, I had I had to mention it. And maybe uh, apologies, everyone, if I go too far on this one because it is just a kids' film at the end of the day. 
but okay, it just it really disappointed here me. Here we go. <laughs> okay. So it's a children's film. Remember this. Come oh, on. I, I know, I know. But I, I dipped my toes into the shared universe that none of us knew we wanted or were fucking getting. Well, as far as I was concerned, I didn't know we were getting this. Oh yes, 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 yes. The Hanna Barbera shared universe. Hanna Barbera shared universe. Oh yeah. Right. It begins with Scoob. Which is ah, what I thought yes, was like okay. a, an origin story. Looking at the trailer, it's going to be yeah. a little bit origin story, a little bit, you know, what you like from Scooby Doo. I thought perfect. We'll sit down with the kids for that. Christ is it CGI? Uh, yes, it is, which I don't yeah. mind so much. And they actually do quite a good job of they still animate the legs to wear around and stuff like the animation oh, okay. did okay. and stuff. They, they make and they make the slapstick moments look as impactful as they did in the old animation style. I thought sure. they did a really good job with that. I like the animation. Um, uh, I think the voice cast is really good. Jason Isaacs, the baddie. Um, oh, well, we've got Jason Isaacs. How are yeah. you dissing it? Wait till I tell you who the baddie is, though. Um, uh, Zach Efron is the voice of Fred. That's very good as well. Um, he's quite good in that. But So, yeah. Apparently, something I've never heard of a character I've never heard of called the Blue Falcon. Now, again, I understand that maybe in America you got... We Blue didn't Falcon. yeah, we didn't necessarily get all the Hanna-Barbera stuff, but I think they did in America. Or maybe Blue Falcon was earlier than some stuff. I don't know, right? But apparently there's this character in series called Blue Falcon, and it was all uh, like spaceships and superhero. You know, he was a superhero. He had a sidekick dog that was like a robot dog. Um, and these are some of the first characters. Like, you follow Scooby-Doo. And you get the little origin bit at the beginning with him and Shaggy, which is all right. Mm -hmm. Quite funny. Um, about 15 minutes, maybe. And then we move into, you know, we go through a, a sort of montage and then, you know, because they meet the mystery gang and they form their little club and they foil a proper little Scooby-Doo mystery when they were kids and stuff. And that's how they bonded. So I, I, I'm along with all that stuff. And I liked that because that's what I thought I was going to get was a Scooby-Doo movie. We then, Scooby and Shaggy, end up separated from the group and they get yeah essentially abducted by aliens or so we think but it turns out to be a super futuristic spaceship and it's blue falcon and the, the problem starts to creep in here for me is that's not scooby-doo to me and sometimes like not all the time but sometimes with these franchise you know trying to merge your universes and all this shit Originally, it was the, the the creators of these shows were trying to play in lots of different pools. They didn't want to play all at the same time. So they did uh, the Jetsons based in some futuristic thing. They did Captain Caveman that was based in the prehistoric era or Mesozoic era or whenever. They did Wacky Races that was, you know, a, a, a Gumball Rally type thing and Catch the Pigeon. That was one of my favorites as well. They did Catch that. the Pigeon was fantastic. I fucking loved Catch the Pigeon. Um but anyway, you know, all of these things were separate entities. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you ever mesh them because it just starts to feel out of place. My example would be Indiana Jones dealing with aliens. Oh, I never, oh. ever. No, I'm not going to go into it, but I never. <laughs> that, that was my main issue. I never thought that gelled. I never saw how the two went together. Some people do, fair enough, but I, I never did. But I feel kind of the same about this. Spaceships and superheroes don't mesh with scooby-doo for me maybe but again i'm too old so we go through all this stuff anyway we end up introducing captain caveman and all his people 
down in below the Earth's surface, some sort of geothermal vent has allowed an island from the Mesozoic era, like a big inner cave, to be caught in the Mesozoic era. So Captain Caveman and all his buddies exist. (laughs) The baddie we're introduced to right at the beginning of this is Dick Dastardly. What? Dick Dastardly is the baddie. As in Dick Dastardly from Wacky Races. Dick Dastardly from Wacky Races is the bad guy in this Scooby-Doo movie. Okay. Uh, Simon Cowell makes a guest appearance, which is crap. Does does Uh, he have Muttley? No and yes. He's lost Muttley, and his drive for the film, we think, is for the money, but actually it's to get Muttley. He's trying to get Alexander the Great's money that he left, because Alexander the Great had a dog called Peritus, and Scoob is the last existing descendant of Jesus. that bloodline of Alexander the Great's dog. What? Yes, yes, you okay. see what I mean. Okay. You see where we're going with this. <laughs> okay. Why? Why is all of this bollocks in a Scooby Doo movie? Maybe Take the fucking mask of Old Man Withers, get him down to the station, and give me my fucking line about meddling kids. Here's what the I question. Want. Here's the question. Right now, I, I understand your your little impassioned rant there um however can i ask the simple question did your kids enjoy it of course it did it was it because to be honest again you know i may have my issues with this and i just my my biggest issue is that it tried to do too much hmm. it it, uh, it was introducing the blue falcon all his surrounding cast none of us knew who they were the kids don't really know who he is now but it tried to introduce him mark Wahlberg voices him by the way He's quite funny, actually, because he's a, he's like his dad was the Blue Falcon and he's the sort of bit lazy, bit crap son. But is it one of those films where, yeah, it will do mediocre, you know, I don't think internationally do. and, and domestically it will do big set because, like you say, Scooby-Doo is, is, is an American kind of institution yeah, exactly. yeah, uh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they'll be familiar because they've got it's like the, you know. Uh, the the Tom Hanks film uh, Welcome to the Neighborhood. We had no real understanding yeah, of who, who this character Mr. is, is no. but to an American audience, that's that's different. So sometimes I get it. Their some of their jokes play to their audience, not to ours. Yeah, absolutely. I also um, think there's too much there's too much crude adult humor in there that they've hidden hmm. um, by assuming it's going to go over children's heads, right? And I just think sometimes it's a little bit dangerous because, and and I also think it's unnecessary because again we look at films like you know when you've got people like Pixar making films when you've got uh you know what was Studio Ghibli whatever they they might be now or whether they still are just not run by the same guy I'm not really sure but you know the work that they've produced um and then even other uh, independent animation studios the Red Turtle was a fantastic animation from a couple of years ago. You've got all these people doing stuff that pleases the adults and the children. It's not because they've got dirty jokes in there, hidden as double entendre. It's because they've got adult themes. Or they're plucking at particular parts of parenthood for the adults in the crowd, whilst the children are entertained by the childish storyline going on in the forefront. You know, it's about depth and subtext when you get to be an adult, not necessarily just crude jokes. Um... There is a section, because obviously Dick Dastardly is called Dick, and Scooby-Doo can't pronounce D's very well. So he's trying to tell him how to say his name. And he says, it's Dick. 
And Scooby-Doo goes, Rick. He goes, no, Dick. Rick, Dick. And what you end up with is Jason Isaacs shouting at Scooby-Doo, no, it's Dick! 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 And you're like, oh, come on. Really? Mm. Like, I just think that's a bit low common denominator. I also think it's slightly dangerous because if kids start quoting that in the playground, <coughs> what, uh, obviously not that we have any kids in playgrounds at the minute, but, you know, when uh, you know kids are in school or whatever and they're chatting to their mates or they're playing with their mates when that comes a thing again. Um, yeah, I just... I. Pfft. Take it out of context, that child may very well get told off because of that. Um, there are a couple of other lines that honestly I forget now, but I just they stuck out to me, and I thought you've just made a rude joke, but you know that because of the way you phrased it, it'll go over children's heads, and that's that's not the point. That I don't personally, I don't like that way of trying to make a kids' film appeal to adults. Like I say, that isn't the way to do it for me. It's it go be better, write better, write deeper, put more thought into it, more subtext, as I say. But again, that's maybe just me. But yes, so we we're we're getting some ridiculous shared universe. It would seem from fucking Scooby Doo and Blue Falcon, uh, I mean, Caveman, and that's the thing. As soon as we had the success of of a shared universe, and then every bugger and the next door neighbor wants to do the same just build on a kind of franchise thing eventually this kind of shared universe thing will go the well i kind of hoped it had with the fucking dark universe the the was it universal's dark universe oh started with the mummy the mummy which failed miserably and then they were going to do the the invisible man and the wolf man yeah it's like yeah but nobody wants to see any of these films i'm sorry but they've been done and rehashed and redone so many goddamn times i just don't care no i i i I believe they if i remember rightly they gave when they decided you know when it flopped and they decided right we're not going to do this they gave up the licenses which is why we got an invisible man film from Blum, Blumhouse earlier this year. Yeah, with Elizabeth Moss, I believe. Yes, which yeah. was a... I've, I've not watched it yet, actually. I've got it downloaded to watch, but as far as I understand it, it's a, an interesting take on the, the story of it mm-hmm. and how it's dealt with. Um, Yes, apologies. So, uh, yeah, like I say, it, it, it's, you know, it's a mostly unoffensive hour and a half of of watching but i i do think it's overly complicated for its own good and i i think it tries to do far too much the other thing that i have started watching this week with my daughter because i saw it had started now you know how much i love cw dc shows don't you oh god so my daughter Star, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now Star it's just Girl. suddenly, yeah, Stargirl, okay, yeah. So, Stargirl started this week, so we've downloaded and watched the first episode because I also looked and I saw Lo- uh, Luke Wilson was in it. Mm-hmm. Playing so, is uh, Joel McHale? And exactly, I was like, holy crap, Joel McHale's in it, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, we decided we'd give it, oh, and Amy Smart as well. Um, so yeah, we decided we'd give it a go. Um, it's all right. I don't really get what time period it's set in because one minute everything seems really old fashioned like you would expect. And then the next minute there seems to be technology that couldn't possibly exist in that day and age. So I'm not I'm a bit weirded at the minute, but I've only watched one episode. There's only mm-hmm. there's only been one so far. It's a CW weekly. So um, I'll, I'll enjoy the next 10 years come, of your life. Come back to it. But um, <laughs> Luke Wilson's all right. Joe McHale. 
is in it for about five minutes um, because he plays Starman, the previous holder of the Cosmic Staff. Mm-hmm. So at the very beginning of the thing, he dies. And Luke Wilson is... <gasps> spoilers? He... Yeah, spoilers, mate. <laughs> um, and Luke Wilson takes the Cosmic Staff and keeps it safe. And then 10 years later, his stepdaughter finds it, Courtney Whitmore. Mm-hmm. And so she starts mucking about with it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's exactly what I expected it to be. It's not fabulously written. The CG is a bit ropey in places. I think John McHale, I don't know why he did it. I think it might have been for a bit of a laugh because there's a seat. His sequence when he dies at the beginning, he absolutely plays it for laughs because he's giving, he's holding the cosmic staff and Luke Wilson's over him, like trying to help him. And he's like, you must, you know, this must go to the next person, the next person that's worthy. And he sort of starts passing it to Luke Wilson and then pulls back a little bit and goes, it's not you. It's got to go to someone who's absolutely worthy, pure of Mm. heart. Okay. And starts putting it towards him again. He goes, just to be clear, definitely not you. Mm. And then starts Uh, lifting it. You know, he, he, and he does it about three times. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. funny, Funny little joke. But the character is dying at that moment. Sure. And it just totally breaks the scene entirely because you don't get a meaningful like, oh my God, he's dead. You're sitting there chuckling to yourself because he's just done quite a funny little joke as he dies. It's what you'd expect in a parody. You know, it's the equivalent of the Black Knight going, no, tis but a scratch. Come here, I'll bite your legs off. Um, From Monty Python. So it's... Uh, that undercuts some things for me, but it's John McHale, so I kind of let him off, actually. He's the only reason I like Spy Kids 4. No, actually, him and Ricky Gervais as the To be fair, now, you, now you've mentioned that one other thing I did watch this week, I think I mentioned it to you, was they did a uh, a table read. No, yeah, uh, I've seen The community cast did a table read for an episode, um, which was the uh, the episode where, where Pierce dies, and, uh, and they're all sitting around a table and, and kind of going under questioning for a lie detector and it just it was it was brilliant to watch because watching that ensemble of of individuals together again is just special so many of them like Alison Brie was just spot on uh, literally just like even like she she's just still doing her hair twirls and stuff like that even though you know they're just kind of doing a table read they don't need to go but she did all the nuances Donald Glover was fantastic they obviously took the piss out of him for you know being able to actually do it uh, and uh, and not disappear and, and go off and create, you know, fantastic albums and fantastic yeah. shows on his own. Uh, and what was the special thing is Walton Goggins was not able to um, do his part in the episode. He was the guest star that week. So the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal, mm. uh, filled in for him. And there was just a couple of moments. He he does a line at one point and uh, and he ends it with, yes, man. And then suddenly, you know, Dan Harmon's just like DeLorean. And it, it took me a minute and I was like, what did he, why did he just say DeLorean? And I was like, oh, oh man, DeLorean. Man DeLorean. DeLorean. Yeah, yeah, I got lost there for a yeah. minute. I was like, why is he talking about DeLoreans? DeLorean? Yeah. Uh, but watching Pedro Pascal read it, clearly he had not pre-read the script in advance because he gets to a point, and I won't give it away too much because I'm, I do hope one day you'll you'll watch Community, but... Suffice it to say, Pierce Hawthorne has left uh, left each of them a jar of something special, 
And each time Pedro Pascal is supposed to be really sad, he literally bursts into He can't read it. Like, he fluffs his lines at least a half dozen times. And it's fucking hilarious because he just can't get the line out because he mm. didn't expect it. This is a, you know, professional actor. And he's trying to psych himself up so that he can do it properly. So, yeah. So, any community fans out there, uh, I do encourage you to go and, uh, go and get a view. Oh, good stuff. Okay. So, should we get to the nitty-gritty yeah, of the, uh, of the episode? So, we start. Ip Man 3, 2015. Uh, so, where we left off was uh, the British and the boxing fight in the previous film. So, we start Ip Man 3, 1959, still in Hong yep. Kong, still in Kowloon City. And a man walks into the studio <laughs> and says, do you remember me? You told me to come back when I was a little bit taller. And my first note is, ooh, yay! We're getting the Bruce Lee story for this film. Um, and they go into a fantastic sequence where he's uh, a man smoking a cigarette, I think, and he's um, and Bruce Lee kicks it out of his uh, fingers, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And then so he starts flicking fags up in the air. Uh, sorry to the American listeners, uh, cigarettes up in the air. So slang term for a cigarette in this country. Um, he starts flicking them up in the air and Bruce Lee has to kick them out of the air to see how fast he is. Um, uh, that's fantastic. And then he throws, is it, he throws water at him right at the end to trick him and he kicks the water as well. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, that sequence then ends and Bruce Lee walks out. Well, he... So he just, maybe, uh, maybe we're not getting the Bruce Lee Well, no, Ipman here just, he doesn't necessarily say yes, he doesn't say no. He just basically walks over to the door and leaves it open. And Bruce Lee kind of goes, oh, and then just kind of trundles off. And that's yeah, it. Which I know, is not a Bruce Lee episode. He only, says that, <laughs> he only says that in the fourth one. He says like, oh, I never told you to leave. Yeah. I, bullshit! I got the same impression. Yeah, he insinuates. Going, you he does insinuate. Come on, you you need to leave now. Come on. Um. Anyway, we cut from that and we meet a little lad called Fong, um, who is in a fight with uh, Ip Man's son at uh, at their school, and his uh and then we meet his dad because they uh, the, the fight gets broken up by the teachers and the parents have to come in to see uh to get the kids and stuff and we get a bit with um ip's wife being annoyed with him for not being around again because he's still keeping that up from the previous films you know he's focusing on the wrong things uh he's not spending enough time with his family necessarily so um and after we meet uh, Fong, we meet his uh, dad as well, who is a, uh, we learn is a, a rickshaw driver, um, and he fights in sort of unlicensed clubs, uh, fight clubs, in the evenings to make a bit of extra cash, and he's obviously very skilled. Um, now, <laughs> we get introduced to the the owner of the underground club and our, our main protagonist for this movie. <laughs> Mr. Mike Tyson. Yep. I I just I uh, like if you want him to play himself, he's all right. Like I mean, I, you know, we've voiced our displeasure of the Hangover films before, but at least he's bearable in those movies because you know he's just playing himself, so he's not trying to be anything else. He's he's just not a very good actor. Mm -hmm. He's quite crap. 
and he sort of brings everything down when he opens his mouth, I feel. Um, but he's the man running the clubs. We learn that uh, Fong's dad actually trained in Wing Chun at the same school as um, Ip, Master Ip. So they're both... They're, I, think it's, they? I think it's their master... Uh, their respective masters uh, related or, or some have some uh, prior relationship. So they've each kind of been taught uh, a style of Wing Chun, which yes. is very, very similar because of the, the the history of their respective teachers. As I recall, it's sorry, it's been a while since I've watched the third one. I only watched mm-hmm. uh, one and four respectively before. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, we meet our gang of baddies. Uh, and they're the, the the guys running the well, you know, working with Mike to run the uh, fight clubs. They we then get into again our, our main sort of plot thrust for this one, which is the uh, so the school and the baddies want or Mike Tyson wants to buy the school. Uh, I'm not sure whether I've got the reason why yet because I don't think we know, but he's trying to buy the school. Um, so he sends baddies in from the fight club to go and try and take the school and set it on fire. Yes. Uh, well, to go and they, they go and beat the crap out of uh, the headmaster. That's first, right. They go and try and beat the headmaster. Up, it man yeah. is, is there at the time. So yeah, so yeah then I get to it man comes to the rescue as they try and force the teacher to sell the school because Tyson wants it and they work and the baddies work for him. Um, the baddies then chain up the school gates. Um, it, it, uh, Master Ip and his students then unblock it. And Ip leaves his students at the school to sort of keep guard of the whole thing um, while he goes home for the evening. Um, but they come back at night and uh, to, to set fire to the school. So Ip ends up going back there to fight them off while the school's, uh, you know, they're trying to burn it down. And also Fong's dad, the, the other guy who was trained in Wing Chun, uh, comes along because he's out pulling his rickshaw and he sees what's going on. So he comes to join the fight as well. So yeah, they uh, during this whole fight sequence, we end up with... Uh, they do drive them off, but I, I'm fairly sure there is some damage to the school, but I, I really struggled to figure out whether it was destroyed or not, or what, or... There seemed to be some damage, but not... Because they did set fires, so some of it must have been on fire. Yeah, they kind of... They, they basically... It's not yeah. destroyed when we come back, you know, when we go back to it again, but anyway... Um, so yeah, there's a bit of a fight there. What happens? The guys go to the school, and uh, as you say, Itman's guys uh, and his students are there, and they fight off these individuals. Chung also helps. Uh, this is the 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 rickshaw driver. Um, that's his name, and so he helps fight off a bunch of these people, not really knowing the intricate details of what's going on. Um, but at this time, it's it's good because uh you know this is the kind of time where ip and chung are each kind of watching each other's fighting styles and ip's very impressed by him uh, and kind of thanks him for helping out um so ma which is the guy who's actually in charge of the bad guy shall we say um he has a master uh, you know because he used to be a, a martial artist himself so what they do is they they go and uh you know take him back to his master his master's pretty pissed off uh, uh, no, sorry. They go and meet his master, and the master goes off to see him at a shipyard or something, because uh, he's pissed off. He's like, "You were one of my students. How dare you do this?" Um, ah, yes, that's right. And they go down to the dockyard. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And then he kind of smacks him about a bit, 
um and uh, and kind of he humiliates him because he's like you know you're my student and he humiliates him and then he goes to stab him but again it man saves the day um so ma because he's been humiliated and and looks a bit ridiculous at this point goes up to chung because he knows him from the fight club and offers him a a, a big set of money basically it just gives him a, a load of money and says look i need you to get you know my old master and uh, and basically beat the shit out of him for me because uh, he humiliated me. Yeah. And because Chung at this point, he's a bit desperate for money, hence the reason he's doing the fight clubs and stuff in the first place, takes the money and goes and beats the living crap out of, uh, of his old master. Yeah. So, yeah, and he explains to him, explains to Chung that... Uh, as with the uh, as with all things in Hong Kong, it seems around this time, which I'm sure is the way it was, um, that the baddies are backed by the British. So you know, there's no way you're getting you're going to be able to touch them. Like the cops can't even touch them. Essentially, um, we then cut to before we get to see Chong doing the dirty work. We get the sequence with Mrs. Ip. Yes, in the hospital, and. Yeah, so it's discovered that she has a tumour, but they don't know whether it's cancerous or not at this stage. But yeah, she's got a tumour. No, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I wrote in my note afterwards, I was like, but I'm fairly sure she survived. I'm sure she. it showed us at the end of the first one that she was alive, like in the little sequency bit at the end. Clearly I was wrong. Um, so yes, then we get to uh, Mr. Chung, uh, sorry, Chung, Mr. Fong, uh, doing the uh, no, Mr. Chung mm, Fong. I got his name wrong. I corrected it on the first page, but I haven't corrected it on the second. Uh, it's, uh, doing... it's, it's Fong is his son. Yes, Fong is his son. His son is Fong Chung or Chung yep. Fong, and he Chung is... Fong. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, he's not like you say. He's, he's not really given a choice as to whether he wants to do their dirty work or not, because the club will either. Because he helped the sc- stop the school getting destroyed, they he owes the baddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he wants to keep working the fight clubs, he's got to do what they say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Master... What did you say his name was? I've got Tin. But... Uh, yeah, Master Tim. Master yeah. Tin, was that right? Yeah. So yeah, Master Tin gets the shit kicked out of him by Mr. Uh, by Chong. Uh, and then the baddies lure Ip to see him in the hospital so that they can attack the school again. Mm-hmm. This time, they kidnap some of the children, unless the school is sold. And two of the children who are taken are both Ip's son and Chung's son. So Ip goes back to see the baddies, and the pole is back. So he t- heads down there with these massive bamboo pole again. So badass. So badass with this pole. This massive bamboo pole. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it doesn't go well. He has to back down because they realise that his child is one of the ones in the cage. Uh, so they've they've got him over a barrel. So he has to essentially surrender. Um, Chung hears that his son's been kidnapped, so goes to see the baddies to say, what the hell are you doing? Give me my son back. And goes and gets his son back because he's working with the baddies. So of mm-hmm. course he's allowed to. Of course Ip sees this uh, because he's there uh, he's there. Then we get a sort of revisit of the ten-on-one battle, where they're like, "Oh, I heard you once fought ten men off in 
you know, ten men off at once. So they get get ten men down to actually fight it. Um so that that's uh, that's cool. Um and Fong uh, sorry, Chung changes his mind and goes back to actually his, help. His son kind of persuades him. Yeah. He's like they still have his they still have my friends. Like, yeah, thanks for rescuing me, but they're still mm-hmm. holding my friends and they could die and yeah. Yeah, my friends need to go and help them. Here's the guilt trip. Can. Come on. Um so yes, he goes back to help. Oh. And then shit. No. His wife has got six months to live. Mm-hmm. We suddenly cut to. Uh genuinely that little sequence. Because uh, I think that's the little sequence where she's sitting with it on the bed, yeah, and he's trying to get out of her what's actually wrong, and uh, it ge- genuinely brought a tear to my eye that that sequence mm. because I am, like I said last time, at this stage I'm so invested in this character, I don't want to see bad shit happening mm. to him. I, I, it, it, it affects me because he is so good. Um, then we cut back to uh, Frankie or Mike Tyson's character, um, and he's told by the British that he needs to stop all the gang shit because otherwise they're not going to be able to protect him anymore. He then, well, yeah, he's not particularly on board with that, so he sends someone who I dub Kung Fu Skrillex uh, to go and get it. Yeah, he's a Mai Tai boxer, I think. Yeah. If if you know anything about the dubstep artist Skrillex from the mid noughties if if you look at him, he he that guy is Kung Fu Skrillex, mm-hmm. and it makes sense. Okay, people who aren't quite as old as Fluffy, if you know what dubstep is and you know who Skrillex is, you'll get what I mean. <laughs> that that joke will go over wonderfully in a very particular demographic. Sure. Okay, if you say so. Yeah, yeah. Over thirty fives who still wish dubstep <laughs> was a thing. Um. I, I really don't. <laughs> um, anyway, dubstep aside, we get um, so what yeah. This this fight sequence with Kung Fu Skrillex absolutely fantastic. Oh, oh, isn't it just? I've I've particularly made mention of um, every now and then it cuts to overhead shots as mm-hmm. they're fighting through the corridors of like a, an apartment complex. Isn't it? Well, it starts off in uh, it starts off in the elevator. Yeah. Where he, he's in the elevator with his wife and then he comes in and he notices it straight away. And this yeah. is defense uh, of, of her. Uh, and he just throws himself in front and blocks everything. And it's yeah. just like, the fuck are you doing going near my wife? And that's the bit like, he's just found out his wife's only got six months to live and you're going to do this shit. Thank you for giving him something to punch uh, at this point, moment in time because he needed it, you know? Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, there's some lovely overhead shots uh, that are, you know, short sort of two to three minute one shots, uh, tracking sequences, um, but done overhead as we go through the corridors. And I really, mm. really enjoyed that. So off the back of this, obviously it wins because it's awesome. It doesn't matter how much dubstep you've got behind you, you're still going to get beaten. Um, so then he goes to see Frankie, Mike Tyson, the big boss. After um, he's seen Fat Poe, we get the. We hadn't mentioned Fat Poe was also back in this one as well. Fatty Poe. Fatty Poe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about him, bless him. Um, so yes, he goes to see Tyson to basically say, Look, I've had enough of this shit. I want you off my back, essentially. Um, and Tyson wants to see who's 
uh, wants to have a fight with him to see whose fist is faster. Mm. Which I've, I've, I think it's a stupid question. Ip. Mm-hmm. Ip's fist is easily faster mm-hmm. than Tyson's. It's just Tyson's packs a shitload more of a punch than Ip's probably does, you know? Um, so I, I thought that was a, an amusing way of framing it because mm. I think that question is actually quite simple to solve. Um, yeah, I mean, he, but I mean, this, this is it. At this point, he's just like, you know, they come to an agreement. Okay, if you can last three minutes against me, then I'll keep my promise. I'll back off and uh, I'll, I'll leave the school and I'll leave you alone. Yeah. And this is one of the, you know, it's it's one of those times when you watch films like this at times and you think, oh, it's going to go one way. And it's the the level of respect in some ways that Tyson has by the end of this. Yeah, which is because, surprising. Yeah. Which is massively surprising. Yeah, it is. You know, he comes out swinging, mm. and even Ip at that point is like, "Whoa, hang on a minute, that's pretty devastating." But yeah, you know, it's Ip Man at the end of the day. So every five punches from Ip is sort of one of Tyson's punches. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I same thing. I, yeah, it makes for a, a fantastic sequence, um, and I felt it did a good job to manage to not feel the same as the boxing match we had in the yes. last film because yes, it could, it, you know, it was a very similar idea, but it, it managed to to yeah differentiate itself slightly, you know, because it wasn't in a boxing ring, it wasn't a strict format. The the uh, I'm not sure how I felt about the the CG bit where he's punching Mike's punching as quick as he can and he's punching glass windows out because mm. it's moving so fast. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that sequence. Um, it was one of the other things I really loved about the end of that sequence was the way it holds himself when he walks in again it's, it's one of the things that I've said before that this is why I love uh, Donnie Yen's portrayal of him the very cool calm collected kind of person you can see a bit of frustration when he's walking in there um, you know he's, he's, he's pissed off and my Thai boxer is attacking him in front of his wife and all that kind of stuff it's going to rile him up and the fact that this is just still ongoing and after the fight, they've just had a, you know, three-minute, pretty brutal three-minute fight. You know, no no joking aside, that, that looked pretty brutal. And they have the agreement, and he's just kind of still, you know, breathing. But it's his, his cool, calm demeanor walking out. He doesn't turn around thinking, this guy's going to hit me. It's, again, like I say, it's that demeanor, that level of respect mm-hmm. uh, that, that he he seems to instill in a lot of fighters that he faces. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, at this point, I kind of got confused because I was like, oh shit, Like I'd made two and a half pages worth <laughs> yeah. of notes because I thought Tyson versus Ip was my main boss you. fight. Well, I liked it. It flipped like, it. Oh, okay. Yep. So then my note is, it. huh, okay, maybe Chong versus Ip is the mm-hmm. Act 3 fight then. And then, of course, we get the montage of uh, Chong's rise to fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he opens a school teaching Wing Chung. He says that Ip's version of Wing Chung is not right um it's a, an offshoot and his is the more traditional version of it or something i think yeah, I basically think that's the way it is, himself it? the grandmaster of wing chun exactly um and i then said uh, my note afterwards is oh crap i should have seen that actually they teased that during their second ever meeting of the characters they propose a fight for the title of grandmaster yeah and i just totally missed it but it's back in their second ever meeting outside the school um, Bruce Lee comes back briefly again because at this point what's happening while we've had the montage of Chung's rise to fame that's interspersed with a montage of Ip and his wife travelling essentially enjoying 
the last six months that they have together yeah. before she passes away. Um, and again, there's some some beautiful sequences there uh, mm-hmm. of them doing stuff, and they go to a school to learn how to dance. And Bruce Lee happens to be in that very same school. Yeah. Um, so they get to meet again and chat. And oh, actually, isn't that the point where he says, "I didn't, I didn't tell you to leave" or something like that? Some, yeah, something like that. That's yeah, their yeah, first yeah. meeting since he walks out the door at the beginning of the, the yeah. film. Um, so yeah, during this time of it traveling around, Chung has risen to fame for his uh, Wing Chun fighting style and his martial arts school back in Kowloon and is has challenged Ip to this fight officially through all the official channels on a particular day at a particular time mm-hmm. to fight for the title of Grandmaster of, of Wing Chun. However, Ip doesn't know. Because again, this is 1959. We don't we don't have well, WhatsApp. Well, no, there he was, does know. He there reads was no it. Facebook to say. I'm sure he reads hey, it in the paper. He does but read it, but he reads it back. I, I, no, it's, I, he, well, he doesn't. Sh- he's not. He, he reads it and he's just he pays no attention to it he, because okay, at this moment his wife yeah. is his focus. Wing Sing yes. is is his focus. He doesn't care about fighting at the moment. All he cares about is her and spending as much time as he can with her. And that's it. Like you said, the the dancing and things like that. Some of the most special moments in the Ip Man series, I find, is between Ip and his wife because she does ground him uh, yeah, in elements, reminds him of his obligations to his family and yeah. things like that. And Tell yes, he's got he ex- doesn't want to hear. Yeah, exactly. And he's got his extended family with his students and stuff like that. And she respects his students and, and, and X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, she's like, this is my husband. And, you know. But she cares for him equally as much as he cares for her, and everything. And it, it, those scenes with their dancing and stuff like that—he's completely out of his element. Like he's a—he's a martial artist, not a dancer. But that's what she wants to do, and it, he just wholeheartedly embraces it. And it's just, yeah, it's just some of the loveliest scenes in these. It is. Um, yeah, I, I found it beautiful, but the the, the the creeping sadness was just there the whole mm-hmm. time because it is harsh man because yeah then we end up there during their travels she faints and ends up in hospital uh and ip stays with her at the hospital um and she's released and they return back to kowloon and he finally returns and goes to the fight with chung she arranges it she arranges it, does she? She arranges the fight. Right. So okay, she... that's the bit I missed because I was yeah. like, I don't understand why he's gone back because, as you say, yeah. he's been ignoring it the whole time. And I don't get why he goes back. And I yeah. I don't like the end fight because I'm just sat there the whole time thinking, why are you doing this? Yeah. Why no, are you be... fighting this man? You should His be out wife, there with your uh, fucking yeah. wife. And she's sat outside like the doting yeah, yeah. wife she is yeah. with her hands crossed yeah. while you're fucking fighting this douchebag yeah. who's just being a douchebag. She, uh, the thing is, is that although she is enjoying the time uh, that Ip is spending with her, she, she, you know, she's cherishing that. She also isn't necessarily happy uh, about the decision that he's made uh, in in not going to the fight because this is the man that she loves and she understands what everything means to him with regard to his martial arts and stuff like that. And basically, if she hadn't have been ill and uh, and he'd have been free, he would have been in that fight. And she knows he would have won. It's it, man, for Christ's sake. It's, it's her yeah. husband. She knows this. So she has a conversation with Chung and basically arranges another match for Ip, um, kind of confessing 
he's been looking after me. And, and Chung's kind of taken aback because he didn't realize, he just thought, oh, okay, he's just being a coward. Now I understand the significance of why. So yeah, she then accompanies Ip to the fight because she's arranged this. She's allowing him, because that's the thing. It's, um, she kind of talks about the, the wooden dummy and yeah. the clickety clack of the wooden dummy when he's, yeah. when he's practicing oh, is. No, don't, because that's horrible. That's it's it's right soothing to her. Yeah. Where she just asks him to just practice. Yeah. Just so she can hear the oh, click and clack. Yeah, yeah. The there you go. Noises. No, I hate that bit. <laughs> so yeah, so th- this leads this is why we lead to this match. And like you said, this this is a truly intense fight. Um because mm, they go through I think they both start with poles, then they go on to sort of swords. knives, two big yeah. cleavers each, and then just into your standard fist fight. Yeah. Or you, you know, your martial arts kung fu fist fight, anyway. Uh, but it's the fact that each of them is is not holding back. They're going nose holes barred on this kind of thing, you know. Like you say, with weapons, they're not aiming to, you know, disarm. They're aiming for kills at the same time. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty brutal. Um, but it's how it finishes as well, and that's one of the. It's it's the move which is you know Bruce Lee obviously made made famous even more so, but the one inch punch. And he yes. just floors him uh, with a one-inch punch, and it's just Chung's just kind of expression, like, "How did he do that?" Uh, you know, and yeah. So yeah, that's the end of the film. Nineteen sixty, we're told that uh, Mrs. Ip died of cancer, and I don't think we get too much of the what happened afterwards this time. Clearly, yeah, at no, this point, just, they knew they were yeah. going to do another one. Finally. Well, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't actually. The, uh, four was uh, was quite a, uh, a yeah, feat to get Don again to come back was, for that. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, my last note on that one is that number four must give me my Bruce Lee story. <laughs> I want Bruce Lee's training. Any final thoughts on three? Like I said, I mean, it's it's absolutely fantastic. There are some truly amazing fight sequences in there. Like we said, from one and two, it, it kind of ramps up that level of fighting, uh, you know, with the bamboo pole, as you said, in, in the scene where it goes to the, the shipyard, dockyard, whatever it is, uh, and just grabs a pole uh, to, to go and rescue it. And it's just uh, brilliant. Uh, the fight, final fight between the two of them, the fight between him and Tyson as well, even that, you kind of go, yeah, it's three minutes, but... It's it's a different kind of fighting style. Um, I loved the actress who played uh, Wing Sing. I thought she was fantastic. She really played well off of Donnie Yen, and I think they did really well together. So um, yeah, to, to get to the end, and like you say, you, your your heartstrings were being tugged on uh, as he was finally throwing those punches at the wooden dummy. Mm. Uh, you know that that sold it for me. So yeah, yeah. I like I say I really started to struggle at that stage because that was I, I just found it so bleak. And so sad all the way through. Mm. Um, so we start Ip Man 4 uh, from 2019 in 1964. And we start at a karate tournament in San Francisco. And uh, Bruce Lee is announced as being in the fight that we're watching. And we see Ip enter and uh, take a seat. Then it cuts to what turns out to be prior to this, but. It, doesn't really make it clear. There's no sort of two weeks earlier, three weeks earlier, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. cuts and you figure out in previous the previous what it is. But yeah. anyway, we cut 
and we cut to a hospital. And this time, Ip Man's being told he's got cancer too. Fuck, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> Jesus. Right, yeah. so, then we cut to Ip Man's studio. Um, a student of Bruce Lee turns up. Um, he's uh, Afro Samurai. Because um, he looked exactly like Afro What well, I imagine Afro Samurai would look like in real life. Um, so he turns up, um, and wants to give, uh, Ip a ticket to the tournament in San Francisco that we started the film in. Um, uh, and Ip says no, that he, he doesn't want to go. And there's a little fight sequence there. Then we see that Ip's son, uh, is obviously grown up a little bit now, is getting expelled, uh, from school for fighting. Uh, and it's happening quite a lot. They're clearly struggling again for sort of money. His son and his relationship is really bad. Um, and <laughs> my next note is this film had better not end with Ip's death because it is bleak as hell so far. So we then follow Ip and he takes his plane off to San Francisco, uh, leaves his son behind with. Uh, Fatty Poe. Uh, it's, it's him again, isn't it's it? Fatty yeah. It's Uncle Fatty. Um, uh, so he, and he says he'll ring every day to talk to his son, um, but his son says he won't answer because he's really not happy with him. But Ip is going to San, San Francisco to see this Bruce Lee tournament because he's got the ticket and everything, but also he's going to try and find uh, an American school to send his son to so that he, he has the opportunity at a better education and therefore a better life, he hopes. Um, so when he gets to uh, San Francisco, he discovers that he discovers that his student Bruce Lee is not well liked among the traditional martial arts uh, school uh, folks. Um, uh, again, it's uh, there's elements of this one that are very similar to the other ones. So yeah, it's the same as the the heads of the Kowloon Chinese martial arts mm-hmm. group. Yeah, yeah this is the Chinese Consolidated Benevolent, uh, Benevolent Association. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, yes, it's essentially the bunch of martial arts school, and they run out of Chinatown in San Francisco, and they will only teach martial arts to Chinese people, whereas Bruce, Bruce Lee is happy to teach anyone, and even at this stage has written a book explaining martial arts to people, uh, or the masses, you know, um, and sort of the the some of the myth- uh, the mythos behind it and how to do it and you know things that um i mean you could think about pro wrestling in the same way the people trying to protect kayfabe sure. and, and protect it from those they were trying to protect the traditional elements of it mm-hmm. and keep it as a traditional chinese thing yeah. um whereas bruce lee wants to expand it and give it to the masses so um it it turns out it he discovers he needs his the the uh a letter or a reference from this Chinese benevolent fund, uh, the the head of uh, that organization, um, to get his son into a school in San Francisco. But the bloke doesn't want to give him that reference because he doesn't agree with Bruce Lee's stuff and uh, uh, Master Ip won't condone Bruce Lee's actions either. Um, There's quite a cool little... I mean, again, I, I... I wish there was slightly more kung fu in this one at the beginning. I think it's a bit kung fu light at the beginning of this film, mm-hmm. but we get 
what is quite a cool tense sequence with the glass uh, Lazy Susan that they're pushing around the table. Mm-hmm. And he keeps pushing it back one to the other, and then they're pushing against each other, and it cracks down the middle and stuff. There's qu- that's quite a cool little sequence. But yeah, it was reminiscent. I can't help of, but wishing um, I had more, <laughs> you know, actual kung yeah. fu. It was happening. reminiscent of uh, of when he meets the masters in uh, It Man Two. Yeah, exactly, and, with uh, the table yeah. and yeah, the spinning exactly, table yeah. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yes, he needs a place, but they're pissed off at him because the apprentice is going against their wishes. Uh, <laughs> and then I've put keeping up. Are we keeping up so far? Okay. And then hoping for a fight soon. Um, so we catch up to now, we catch up to where we started the film at the tournament. Uh, we get a tiny little bit of Bruce Lee's uh, exhibitionist fighting. I think he does the one inch punch on someone. Yes. And does something, a couple of other things. Um, then finally, we get a nice big fight with Bruce Lee against a load of random Yanks outside a. Uh, outside a bar or something isn't it absolutely fantastic fight when it got going uh the bigger yank who had the nunchucks and stuff at the end was brilliant um and i'd forgotten about like bruce lee's i don't know i've written squeals but he's he he, he does make very specific noises and it's interesting with these films that it man has never been a big noise maker i've never noticed mm-hmm. you know whereas bruce lee's style was always like hey a lot of uh, the high-pitched sort of squeals as he's doing the moves and stuff. Um, but yeah, that that was quite cool. I enjoyed that. Um, any any notes on that one? No, I mean, like you say, it's it, it's just brilliant. I mean, it is. He does a very very uh, convincing, you know, Bruce Lee, uh, you know, fighting style. There, I mean, yes, again- I've never come across that actor. Sorry, I meant to say that. Yeah, he's. He, I thought he was really good as as a Bruce Lee, like. Yeah, I mean, there've been you know good, uh, good, good many you know other actors in the past that have done it, but yeah, like you say, even very... Donnie Yen, even Donnie Yen, yes. Um, I mean, what's that called? It's the sequel to Fist of Fury, isn't it? They did an, a sequel to it where he plays yeah. the Bruce Lee role, Legend of Fury or something like that. Can't something remember. along those lines. But it's Donnie um, Yen playing the same role as Bruce Lee played in Fist of Fury. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's an absolutely enjoyable fighting sequence, and, and uh, again, like you say, it, it there's not been, I don't think there's as much safe, you know, um, level of fighting style as there have been in the previous three, if that makes sense. We obviously get some fighting because that that's you know part and parcel of this, and uh, especially more towards the latter end of the film. But yeah, some of those fight sequences which we had in say the beginning of two and three is kind of not as placed here uh donnie yen doesn't seem to do as much but at the same time he's getting a little bit older you know his his stunt work he's got to be a bit more careful probably Mm. Uh, whereas this guy again this is kind of perhaps an introduction for the guy who plays bruce lee maybe they'll go on and use that guy to to do other films who's to say uh who's to say but it was a good yeah he he was very uh, very impassioned where he was um so then, uh, at this point, I was getting slightly distracted because we'd had a little side thread story of the head of the Chinese Benevolent Association's daughter, Yona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd sort of seen her at high school a couple of times and getting bullied by the high school bitch, who's clearly a massive racist. Yeah. Um, and cue the daughter getting a beating uh, and some abuse. 
Ip Man happens to be coming past, sees what's going on. Ah, okay, right, makes sense now because Ip Man's going to save her. Yeah. So he saves her and uh, uh, walks her, escorts her home. Um, but not before the stupid American girl accidentally slashes her face with a, a pair of scissors that she was trying to attack uh, Yona with. Quite. And that comes so, important. That, that yeah, yeah. So, so the Yank high school bitch goes home and says that she was attacked because she's got the slash on her cheek. Mum brings dad to come home from business trip. I only mention this because I'm sure that will turn out to be an affair. Always is, isn't it? It's always you're always on these business trips. Come back from this business. Always turns out to be a fucking affair. So I made a note of that. Um, and yeah, uh, the chairman's daughter Yona is being escorted home by Ip. Not enough kung fu sequences. We were forty five minutes in at this stage, mm-hmm. and I've had one good kung fu sequence that lasted for about five minutes, and was that Bruce Lee one. Um, however, the second after I write that. Uh, the chairman then challenges because obviously he it walks the daughter home, so he meets the chairman again, and he challenges Ip to a match for his son's recommendation letter for the school. Um, it's a decent fight. I have noted that the wire work is getting a little more frequent, and I do think they're starting to crank the cameras a little bit on the speed front because mm-hmm. um, you know at the end of the day it's 2019. Donnie Yen is not. He's 10 years older than he was when he did the first one. He's 15 years older than he was when he was doing his sort of peak, really early Chinese stuff in the mid noughties. You know, he is not a young man anymore. So I understand they have to do it. It's just a shame because it it, it means that we're reaching that point. However, in terms of the film, kind of works because he's getting old. So (laughs) it sort of works in all ways. The character's getting old. The actor's getting old. Let's crank the cameras a little bit. Um. It ends in a draw because an earthquake stops them. Um, and Ip, Ip sort of makes the point to him that instead of being at odds with each other and, and arguing about whether Bruce Lee should be allowing Americans to, to practice martial arts, perhaps they should you know, all be working together to try and stop the abhorrent racism towards their culture mm-hmm. in San Francisco. So, like I say, 45 minutes in. Now, we cut to some random fucking military base. Yeah. And it's because one of Bruce Lee's students has uh, is a Marine who we that we have heard mentioned before. Yeah, we'd established this previously. Yeah. And the Marines uh, use, uh, you know, have some sort of karate training in their uh, hand-to-hand combat stuff. And this Marine wants to add Wing Chun to it because he thinks it's, you know, obviously a very good fighting style and he thinks it will be really good for them. Um, so he wants to bring it up. So, of course, he brings it up to Drill Sergeant, who, as I mentioned in part one of uh, the Ip Man episode, is your cliche impression of Ali Ermi from Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says, right, I'm going to fight you. Oh, does he fight his lackey to start with, actually? Does he fight the second in command, dude? Um, I think he does. No, he's he's uh, well, yeah, he's he's um the, like the marine he's, fights his his sort the, of main... the actual instructor, yeah, the actual karate instructor, yeah. That's right, yeah, and the the yeah the one who I consider to be the drill sergeant, sort of right hand man. Yeah. Um, he loses a fight to him. Um, and the training, the Wing Chun training dummy that he'd bought into uh, the base for them to use uh, gets burned because you know. 
sacrilege against damn. Me. Damn, damn, damn. This next bit just starts with Ip sat alone, just coughing mm. really badly because he's got throat cancer. It's just so sad. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Um, Yona, the Chinese uh, benevolent doodah's daughter, goes to see Ip and has the recommendation letter for him. Um, but <laughs> then it turns out that she She's totally fun. forged it. She because, totally forged it. <laughs> I mean, I suppose we should have said at this point, her, her, she does not get on well with her dad because her dad is a very authoritarian uh typical you know what you would consider to be a stereotypical chinese father of that stage or you know uh, certainly eastern uh the representations we've seen anyway um of of that you know women's place and again it's you know all of the time so it's fair enough it's the way things were back then um but yeah he is very much of that ilk so they don't get on it well she is incredibly rebellious she tries to you know basically do things to piss him off just because she wants to piss him off because he's an asshole um this then this sequence with Jonah and Ip talking is fantastic. I mean the writing regardless of how I feel about how much kung fu I've had so far in this film the the, the writing is just so good mm-hmm. because they make the parallel even though Ip isn't half as bad as Jonah's dad. He's not as much of a dickhead in his own way, he is restricting his son in the yep. same way that the Chinese bloke is restricting his uh, is restricting Yona. Yeah. What's that guy's name? I haven't got his name, and I'm hating calling him the Chinese guy. Do you make a note of it? I I haven't got it. Uh, what the um... the head of the Benevolent Association? Oh, uh, duh, 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 duh. let me check my notes here. One. Wan, right, thank Wan. you. So yes, um, it, it, yeah, th- through Yona talking to Ip about her dad Wan and the way he treats her and makes her feel, mm-hmm. he just dawns on him as she's talking that it's exactly that he is causing the same thing for his son, even yep. though he isn't half as bad. He's not um, being honest with him. No, exactly. He's not told him what's going on. Exactly, he hasn't told him that he's got cancer. <laughs> told him that he's dying. Um, so we then, um, yeah, so I, I thought that was a cracking little sequence there, making that yeah, parallel. Yeah, yeah. Um, we then cut back to the Marine, uh, who's called Hartman, and he's decided to go over the drill sergeant's head to try and get the Chinese, uh, to try and get Chinese martial arts Wing Chun, uh, added to the Marine training catalog. The Marine's karate trainer. Uh, says that he'll sort them out. Ah, that's right, because they... Uh, is it a fight is arranged? So what happens there is uh, the the commanding officer basically says, yeah, he's interested, um, and he wants them to go to the Mid-Autumn Festival, which is what you that's know the right. Chinese... Uh, the Chinatown is getting prepared for. Yeah. So he's instructed them to go and film so that he can see some actual evidence of, of how it's fighting. That's right. Uh, whereas then, yeah, um, Hartman uh, is, is really enthusiastic, but then you've got the douchebag drill instructor who then tells his karate instructor, go to the festival, but beat the shit out of everybody there. Yeah, that's right. Um, at the same time as this, we see that the high school bitch's dad has gotten back from his quote-unquote business trip 
and has said that he'll sort uh, Yona and Wan out. But we don't know what he does at this stage. I don't think it was Washington is mentioned, but we're not quite sure what his job is. Um, uh, immigration of some description, I yeah, think. Yeah, I know it comes in a minute. Uh, okay. I was just making that point that at this point, we don't actually know what his job sure, is, but sure, we know sure, it's sure, something sure. Washington based. Yeah, something politically based. Yeah. So then we go to the um, the big Chinatown festival, like you say, the carnival thing. Um, and uh, they're doing Chinese martial arts displays and the American karate guys crash the party, challenge them to fights, but just, you know, uh, it, well, he ends up beating two or three masters, I think it is, um, quite easily. Um, yeah, he's not very respectful, put it that um, way. Um, I did like the fact that the female master is the one who actually gives him the best fight and pushes him the furthest. Again, this I is... It's one of the things, strangely enough, but I understand why, because, you know, way back when, you know, women, the idea of women fighting, uh, you know, in the earlier films was less plausible. I think as the generations move on and things like that, it is. But yes, it was nice to see a female uh, Kung Fu martial artist mm. master. And like I say, she took him to a competitive. Oh, thing yeah, yeah. And, you know, was giving him what for. Yeah, she gave him the closest, uh, closest fight at yeah. that point. Um. So. We then see that the uh, that Wan is gets taken away by immigration services, as you say, who it turns out that high school bitch's dad works for. Um, so Ip shows up at the festival, but I'm worried. I'm fairly sure he's still injured because he injured his arm in the gate when he was rescuing mm-hmm. Yona, and it plays on him at another point before this because he's oh no or is it during this fight he ends up with one arm he does no it's uh, in the fight against Wan it's in the fight against Wan he ends up Wan aggravates that injury and he puts his arm he puts puts that arm behind his back doesn't he and just one arm blocks him and finishes him off Um, so yeah and you know he's also got the cancer as well so I was pretty worried about that fight, but thankfully it wins. So that's good. Um, so yeah, it sort of wins the the festival, um, the 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 confrontation at the festival. The karate guys are beaten, and off they go. So we cut back to Chairman Wan, and he's being told by uh, the uh, immigration people that they're going to shut down the Chinese Benevolent Fund. And they're going to arrest pretty much everyone who's Chinese um, in that area. We then move to Drill Sergeant. And Sarge is not happy with his karate dude teacher. um, And he says he'll have to take out the Chinese Kung Fu his own way. Um, And this is the first hint that we get that actually Sarge knows Kung Fu. Because when he said that, I was like, what are you going to do? Shoot him? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen any hint that you actually know any Kung Fu so far. So fair enough. Sarge knows Kung Fu. He goes to uh, the CBA and beats the holy fuck out of every master who's at the Chinese Benevolent Association. Mm-hmm. He then, the sergeant then goes to the immigration services because he wants the chairman. That's who he's after. And um, so he goes to the immigration services to get the chairman and just takes the 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 chairman away from uh, the immigration services to go and you know 
as a military matter, basically. Um, so it's at this point that sort of the chairman has his uh, chairman Wan has his sort of epiphany, his realization moment that his daughter's right, and perhaps instead of bowing to these people and cowing down to their wishes, they should be uniting and standing up to the racism and the persecution that they're facing in their community. Um, so the chairman decides that he's going to fight Sarge. There's then um, an interesting sequence at uh, Bruce Lee's place, who Ip Man is uh, with at this point. Um, and they, they, they have quite an interesting discussion around equality, or, or rather the lack thereof in these times for them. Um, I found that quite, yeah, quite an interesting little uh, little detail that they decided mm. to put in there, just discussing around equality and racism and that sort of thing. It, it made a very interesting point. Yeah, because at this point, uh, you know, Bruce Lee's student um, has tipped off the association that they're going to be raided and it gives them a time to, to kind of clear out so they don't all get arrested. Obviously, one has been arrested, but the rest of them managed to kind of elude capture. Uh, and it's Bruce Lee who is providing refuge for all of the association and its various masters and stuff like that. Even though they've got a massive grudge against him, they don't believe uh, in, in the way that he's doing things. And yeah, they're butted heads and things like that. Mm. But he's not about to let these guys you know, be arrested for mm. something that he, he And knows the, the, the Chinese well. masters are starting to come around to the thought of actually we should be working together yes for precisely. a common goal for our people rather than arguing about who's right or wrong about their approach to fucking um you know how to teach martial arts right at this point uh hartman who is the marine uh rings bruce lee to let him know that the chairman has had the shit kicked out of him mm -hmm. and at this point with 20 minutes to go I am really hoping that I'm going to get a fucking fight here. So I'm hoping for Ip versus Sarge. Um, and then Jesus, we then, before I even get there, we get emotions. to, exactly. We cut to Jin. <laughs> finally, Jin, his son, finally taking the call from Ip. And they have the discussion about he's got cancer. And Ip essentially just makes things right with him at that stage. But, God Almighty, like you say, it's such a, oh, it's so harsh. It's how he tells, because uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's Fatty Poe that, that that answers the phone, and he finally, yeah. you know, he's like, I have cancer, uh, and, and I want to speak to my son, and in and Fatty's like, answer the phone. Yeah, he's just like, no, he's like, answer the phone. No, he just picks him up and rushes. He's like, your dad has got fucking cancer, yeah. and he's across the other side of the world trying to find a place for you to live so that he knows that you're safe. Speak to him on the fucking yeah. phone. And he picks yeah, it up and he's just like, dad. And then it's that reconciliation between father and son. Exactly. Uh, which lovely. is, uh, yeah, it, it, it's very, very poignant and very, very meaningful uh, for this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, then we get the, uh, we, we then head into our fight. So for some reason, they're going to let it wander around on a military base. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit weird. Totally yeah. unsupervised. Just for yeah, the heck yeah, of it, yeah. you know. Some staff sergeant said so, so it's fine. Let's do that. Yep. Um, and we get into the 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 fight between Sarge and Ip. Um, oh, I mean, I, it's all right. I just again, this one, it's it's 
I am constantly aware of the sadness that I'm going to have to return to as soon as this is over, whatever joy it may bring me um, during the fight to see him win. And obviously it's, you get, he, you know, it, it's classic booking. You beat the crap out of the good guy, the baby face. And just when it looks like he's down and out, he gets up and makes the fiery comeback. Mm-hmm. It's it's classic. Um, I, I did like the use of the Ip Man theme as sort of a, a rousing it's, crescendo rising. It was, you know, it was one of the things that I hadn't brought up really at all. It was one of the last things I was ever going to talk about uh, in terms of the Ip Man series. But yeah, you've, you've nailed it on the head. The Ip Man theme... Um, I love the Ip Man theme. ...is, is wonderful. And, uh, you know, shout, shouting out to, uh, to our classic editor hope he's doing well wayne i hope you do pop that hopefully at the end of uh, at the end of this uh, oh yeah this if episode. you could play us out with the it man theme you can play us out with the it man theme just so that everybody can hear it for those who who don't know yeah. it it's a beautiful piece of music and ah oh, every time you hear it it's just what? yeah i'm not gonna go hey, we should be able to do that as well because with this one isn't going on youtube so we won't get copyright struck Okay. Well, I'm not doing the full thing, but um, you know, just 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 a snippet. Oh, no, you want it? You want a good bit? Just a good. Bit. Just just a good bit. Play us out for thirty just, seconds. You know? Yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> so yes, unsurprisingly, it wins. Um. Again, though, as you'd said, you know, he'd injured his arm. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and, and it, his injury is still playing up there. It's uh, the worst and, he's yeah. ever looked in a fight. That's for goddamn sure. And it's the most I've ever thought he was going to lose. Even though you know he isn't. um, And after this, he gets his letter for his son to say that he can come. The the chairman one lets him have the letter. But he decides that the grass isn't really greener, is the exact words he says to uh, Chairman Mm Wan. And he decides to head home. He agrees to teach his son, uh, Wing Chun. And as we, I think we discussed in the last episode, there's the bit right at the end where he, he, his uh, his son's doing the Wing Chun dummy doll, and he's uh, recording it. He well, yeah, but the son's trying to do it, isn't he? And he goes, mm. "Stop! I'll show you once, and record it." Mm-hmm. And then he goes through the sequence while his son records it. And you said that last time that's sort of the only footage that really exists of him around. Of, of yes, sort of it's out there on YouTube. But again, if you've enjoyed the listening to, to what we've been talking about, it, then I encourage you to go and watch it. It's it's wonderful. I've watched it several times and it's you're just watching this master, uh, you know, at, at his craft. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, we sort of we end there in titles. We're told 1972. Ip Man died at the age of 79, which again brought a, a final tear to my eye to bring this film to a close. Um, and again, you've got, as you say, Bruce Lee paying his respects. You know, it's so, so harsh to think that, you know, Master and Apprentice in, in, in the respective Bruce Lee, that, that Bruce Lee would die only a few short years later. Um, you know, tragic that mm, you know two absolute masters of of Wing Chun uh, were, were lost um, at that point. But it was just fantastic. It, it, I'm not going to go and say it was the best of the films. It wasn't. It was necessary, perhaps not, but it was also nice to bookend that story to actually give. A finality to uh, to to it, man, and to show that his legacy did lead lead on. Yes, absolutely. To you know, I mean, 
as we say, I mean, as the as the film details at the end, you know, his son records it. His son went on and became um, a Wing Chun master in of his own right, and he obviously had students, and and they have subsequently had students. So that that has carried on. Bruce Lee brought it across to America, did the same. Uh, you know, had many students that that taught it after, and and even to this day, there's you know, the Chinese martial arts got introduced into uh, the marines as well which is you know yeah uh, you know you, you you hear about all the different fighting styles craft maga and things like that and yeah of course you would expect winchun looking at this to be included in that as well mm. but yeah i i thought it was fab did his sons have anything to do with the films you know creative consultants or anything like that or uh i believe that yes they did have some a uh, small level of involvement but i think it was um uh, from what I understand, I think Donnie Yen may have been instrumental in that because, again, uh, when you're portraying somebody like It Man, I think you build up a bit of a rapport perhaps with his family. So, yeah. uh, as I've said before, um, the chronology and the exact details of his personal life, uh, you know, his, his marriages, his children, his drug addictions, and things like that, hasn't widely been done in these films. These are a lot more of a commercial success. Uh, yeah, and you like could you say, not tell a lot of that, you know. In it's that. maybe glossing over some things, but then yeah, again, all biopics in that respect that too, the greatest they, yeah. showman didn't gloss over a few things about Mr. P.T. Barnum, can you? Well, I, I haven't seen The Greatest Showman, so I couldn't really. Oh well, say. The Greatest Showman is a massively successful, wildly popular, you know, feel-good hit about a musical hit uh, about a, a man who ran a, a colorful a, a show with a colorful collection of people mm. now he was a very single-minded businessman who cheated on his wife who um well traveled america cheating on his wife while he left his wife and children at home and essentially you know profited from a freak show um, and didn't treat uh, the yeah. people very well, as far didn't. as the information that I've read. However, musicals ain't my thing. <laughs> however, it is Hollywood's want to gloss over some things, and of I'm course. not saying of Hollywood course. is the only place. Like we say, clearly no, here, no. Yeah. some details have been glossed over for the sake of the story, and that's it. Happens. It's something we have to deal with. Um, briefly, we can look at Master Z. Hitman Legacy. Yeah, yeah, we've, uh, yeah, I think Which we touched upon it. Um, was this year, I believe, 2020. Um, I got to be honest, uh, well, I struggled was, quite a lot, but it was, uh, I think it was 20, 2018, but we didn't get it until. Uh, uh, right. I think it was. Yeah, it was only like new to Netflix year. in the last few weeks. Yeah, it? yeah, no, it had been out in. Uh, it had been out previously in 20, 2018. I think it was released at the end of twenty eighteen. Hmm. So this follows Master Z even though that's not his name, um, is Master Chung, uh, the fellow who mastered Wing Chun and then challenged Ip Man to a fight at the end of three. If you remember, I was shouting not so long ago about him being a massive fucking douchebag because he's a massive fucking douchebag. Hence, problem one with this film, I don't like the main guy. The last time I saw the main guy, I thought he was a fucking asshole because he was making Ip Man fight him when he should have been spending time with his dying wife. So regardless of whether the <laughs> wife arranged the fight or not, 
Okay. <laughs> that guy is a bad guy in my head. I don't like him. He was the he was the end boss of that movie. <laughs> I don't understand why they would base a film around one of the bad guys because and try and make him a goodie. Because yeah, they because... do nothing to make him a goodie either. Well, I mean, they, they, you know, in, in 3, there was that sympathetic nature that this is a guy who was doing the underground fight clubs because he wanted a bit of notoriety. Yes, they did that up. to start he with. Said, he got that. And he didn't, like I say, he didn't know about, uh, you know, Ip Man's wife and the fact that she was dying. Granted, granted, I, uh, granted, let me finish. You get like this. This is what happens. Do we need to go over the Jar Jar theory again? No? No, no there you go. Darth Jar Jar, everyone, it's a real thing. Um, so, um, <laughs> he's not, he can't, just to let everybody from at home know, we are, we are video sharing at the moment. He can't even look at me. I'm just waiting because for you to I crack on. The Darth Jar Jar. No, you, yeah. Like I say, he didn't know. Uh, he was sympathetic characters by the end. <laughs> all of these people through all of these films, their whole thing was they want to be the best martial artists and things like that. They don't always necessarily go through it the right way. But at the end of that one, you do get the sense that there was mutual respect between the two of them. The fact that he he, he tears down his thing and he's like, yep, not the Grandmaster. He accepts that. So I think, you know, give him, give him, cut him a bit of slack, you know, it's just a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I disagree, but fair enough. It's, it's right. my my interpretation of the character is not what you've just said. That that isn't how I left three thinking about that character. I I yeah. hated that character, and I I wanted that character to I I, I wanted that character to get comeuppance. I I don't feel that it man got enough over him in the end for all the pain that he put him through for all the no, but you not you put him through. But the start of this one, do you, do you not kind of think, from somebody who went to the notoriety, being the grandmaster, having everything around him, you know, having a building and all this, and he, he's, he's not really doing very well. He's kind of working in, in a but grocery yes, store now. Which is another problem, because I don't really understand how that's happened. There's no real explanation of how we've ended up there, but... Maybe he didn't like the fact that he'd become I... a grandmaster and it all went to yeah, his head. You know? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's not as if it explained... So yeah, this one kind of you know covered covers Master Z. Uh, I say Master Z because I hate saying Z. I know it's Z, but it's Z. You know. Oh uh, yeah, English, no, you're right. We're English. It should be Z. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this kind of covers his story. Um. You know, it's it's not anywhere near a scratch on any of the of the Hitman films. There are some very nice fight scenes in here. Don't get me wrong. Um. Uh, there are still some very very nice fight scenes in here. The story itself doesn't necessarily hold up i don't think it, it kind of taking elements from the other it man films we've got a foreign businessman who owns a restaurant who's kind of doing all the shady shit around town and See, that's Mike tyson in the second one yeah uh, um, no, third, one, third one third one so i mean yeah but uh, you can't tell me that you're not happy about who's in it come on i i yeah all right i like batista but i again i I didn't want what was coming because what sure. was going to come then was going to be a martial artist versus a wrestler, which means loads of wire work so that Batista can throw him over him, his head and he can fly three miles and hit a wall. It means yeah, no, there was a bit Batista ridiculous. doing a Batista that, bomb. That was it means small, you know, basically it means a martial artist doing a wrestling match. And I don't want that. 
what I like about these films, I mean, again, I will come to a point in a minute and we'll just, I, I want to know if you could pick a, a favourite fight. But mine is, my sure. favourite ones are the purest form of it. I want two martial artists who are the master of their craft. I want no wire work if we can get away with it. And I I want it to look real. And I know that Donnie Yen is capable of that, as is illustrated through all of the films. And yes, all right, they might crank the camera up towards the end. And yes, they they use some wire work at times to make things look more impressive. Because as you've said, they, there is always that element of doubling up. You've got to, you know, this one's got to be more impressive than the last one and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So I get that. I, I just, this, I knew from the start, this film wasn't what I wanted and wasn't going to be anything that I wanted because I thought when you, you've taken the person I hate the most from any of the films, the character I hate the most, and you've made him the good guy. And then you've made one of my favorite currently working actors just for <laughs> pure shits and giggles, the bad guy. I actually want Batista to win here. I want him yeah, to fucking but, win. That was the thing. Like he starts off when you first see him, like as a rather rather polite individual. Like they turn up to the restaurant and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, we're closed at the moment." Kind of, and he's very respect. He's, he's he's a nice, upstanding individual. As soon as he came in, I was like, "Ah, oh, Dave, you're going to be the bastard of this film. Yeah, aren't you're you? going to be the bad." Um, <laughs> anyway, you know, but I, I also love the fact that Batista isn't afraid, unlike you know other uh, wrestling, uh, act- sorry, actors who come out of wrestling. He's not afraid to to stretch his wings and do no, things no. like this. No, He's no, done he did with a kickboxer as well, I think he did as well. Yeah, uh, I know that he'd done from MMA. There, yeah. uh, but the fact that is this is not a a, a scratch on any of the Itman films. I, I believe that they are going to be doing a subsequent sequel to this. I don't think it did uh, commercially successful i don't think even uh home or abroad for for where the film was made i don't think it was a a massive hit i think it's just one of these ones where it'll appear on netflix and i'll watch it and go okay that's nice but it's not it man yeah it's like michelle yoa was in it and i don't really see what she brought to it to be honest i you know i don't dislike her i think she's a good actress but i i just don't yeah i was there to do the thing for me is, um, aside from a couple of, like I say, there are a couple of good fight sequences in it. Nothing, again, not a, excuse me, not a scratch on the other ones. Um, okay, yeah, seeing uh, Batista give a Batista bond to him, uh, I can't help but I was it's happy just, about it's that. that. Yeah, classic they, thing, isn't yeah, it? They, yeah, they, you know, as uh, a wrestling fan, but they don't always do it. Hey, the come on, the he... films was always yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at Drax or something like that, he's never in any of oh, his no, no, Marvel no, films no, no. ever pulled out any of that. So I'm not, impressed by that. Yeah, not in right, any well, of the uh, ones that actually matter. Yeah, that yeah. aren't interested in him being a wrestler. That are interested in him being an actor. <laughs> but any of them that involve fight sequences, I think back to bloody Blade Trinity. I'm damn sure Triple H does a pedigree on someone. Pretty there. sure he even, does. Even though that move is the most ridiculous thing yeah, to yeah. set up in the world if you yeah. were in a real fight. Yeah. But there you um, go. I think the, the thing about this is for me, um, uh, again, I'd watched it a little while ago. I didn't decide to, to rewatch it in preparation for our discussion, but it was also very forgettable, if that makes yes. sense. That's it. Um, it, it didn't. It, it was again. Okay, struggle. Okay, separated from his son. Reunites with his son. Sits down. Has a, a nice, has a nice meal at the end. But again, there wasn't like you. 
Uh, I didn't feel the connection with this character. I still empathize with him from the last one because he's obviously taken a bit of a downturn. But I loved it, man. I loved his interactions with his kids, his wife, um, other individuals, how he holds himself, his posture, his demeanor. The whole thing about it, man, is what sold me on it in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as we've said multiple times over both of these episodes, a lot of that boils down to Donnie Yen. And yep. the what his facials, the way he carries himself when being the character, it, it it all just adds together to make it all fabulous. Um, so yes, um, I think I've been thinking about this since the last episode because I did think I was going to try and pick. I think my favorite fight is I can't choose because I like them both for different reasons, but it's either the ten on one. Brought fight from the first film yep. or the end boss fight with General Miura. And again, the reason the 10 on 1 fight is a, a, an amazing fight to watch on every level because it's, of the technicality I know what of you choreography. Mean. I, I'm really torn in the same way. Is it a one on one actual equal match that I want? Or is it the brutality of that that yeah. literally made me go? Yeah. So uh, j- j- uh, again, for those <laughs> for watching, all your listeners, he did sit forward on his I literally camera. just sat up <laughs> as I'm sat there. You know, it made me sit up and go. Yeah. Shit, don't get me wrong. The first fight in in the first film, when they're in the house and they're just doing yeah, it, and, cool. and that's brilliant. And the second fight, it's all cool. It builds up, but this is the first one that made me sit up in my seat and go, "Holy fucking shit balls!" Um, yeah, so that's I am going to say the ten on one. It shouldn't be because it should be a one on one fight, but that's the yeah. one that made me sit up and go, "Christ Almighty, this yeah. is good." I, I think I'd probably agree because, like I say, I just think overall it's the more impressive uh, feat to pull mm. off because of the amount of choreography involved. I mean, it's still yeah. difficult to choreograph two fighters, but at least you've only got two. This was eleven people all having to hit their positions and run in and do this and do that and you know hit their marks and stuff and keep it looking genuine again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mentioned the General Mira fight because that is that is what I like from that. that you know, Not to say that I don't like fights with wire work and stuff, although then again, I'm not a huge fan of the old Crouching Tiger stuff because that was just a bit too far for my liking. But, you know, I that's what I want, really. If I can get that, I, I want a damn good fight like that. Do, do me other fights as well if you want to in different ways, but just give me one pure striking contest just two guys at the mm-hmm. top of their thing leave the wire work at home and and just let them have a damn good fucking fight that is what i love about this style of film and that's what i'm you know generally what i'm looking for from them like i said it doesn't mean that i don't like other things but that's my favorite if you like oh okay then have you got any any final thoughts for us today then no, uh, as I say, it's been enjoyable to to revisit some of the It Man films uh, and, and watch a couple. I'm fi- I'm glad that you finally got round to watching them mm. and that we've been able to discuss no, it. Look at a, a lot of what we talk about on the pods, and again, as we've said before, is all subjective. Uh, you may agree with us, you may not. We don't always necessarily agree with each other. Yeah, I exactly. believe in the Jar Jar Binks stuff, you know, Darth Sidious, uh, you know, theory. <laughs> I'm not going to let you trigger me. On that shit, no. Um, but uh, no, yeah, no, we, you know, the, there are different ones that we all like. There are other films 
on uh, on Netflix, The Grandmaster. I'd encourage you to watch that again. Uh, you know, part of the Ip Man series. Again, there are plenty of other films that detail different aspects of his life if you're at all interested. Um, but again, it's it's just really enjoyable to watch ones like this. If you've not watched Ip Man, I'd encourage it. Even if just go and watch the first one. I sat down and watched the first one with my mum. Uh, which was uh, not something I'd ever expect. My mum came out and was like, you know, I really enjoyed that. I know it was a bit fighty, not really my thing, but the story was really good. And I really, yeah. So the fact that I sat there with my mum uh, and watched it, and she really enjoyed it. I was quite impressed by that uh, a while back. Is that so, why she rang you earlier then? Did she want to get on the podcast? Was she ringing no, to get her opinion? No, on no, no. She just, she loves episode. to interrupt us oh, on our, our I don't weekend. know why I've just mentioned that, guys, because like, Obviously, to audio listeners, I'm going to cut the bit where Fluffy's mom rings him yeah. nine minutes into our recording. But <laughs> it happens. It happens And I've twice. just referenced it. Yeah. So now I need to explain why I've referenced it. So sorry, but I, yeah. I am really not going to leave it in because it is about two minutes of me just trying to annoy him by talking in his ear while he's talking to his mum. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I'll play it through for the good lady teacher and see whether she finds it amusing. Maybe I will leave it in. Perfectly fine. My mum we'll was see. cool with it. You know, anyway. She sends her love as well, so it's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, no, as I say, the, the, the films were fantastic when I first watched them. I'm glad that we got to discuss them. The music... Um, was one of the biggest selling points. As, uh, as I said, I was going to touch on this really at, at the end, but... Uh, that that it man theme which hopefully will play us out uh mm-hmm. was was just something special as well sometimes you you find a little piece of music in a film and you go that that makes this a little bit special having a theme for an individual it man that's it man's theme for me from now on um so yeah i think that brings us to the end of this little journey uh, through the it man movies um if you've got any opinions and you want to get involved and tell us how awesome we are or how stupid we are you can uh, go to facebook.com forward slash the screen masters. You can send us a message over there or post on the page. You can also email directly at screenmasters at bitebackmedia.co.uk. Um, uh, the bite is spelled like a computer bite, not a food bite. So um, before next week, next, not next week, next episode in two weeks will be the second part of our Band of Brothers exploration uh covering episodes six through ten uh before i sign off i would just like to leave you with one final thought ladies and gentlemen of course please keep this going if we had a twitter we would uh but don't forget hashtag fuck the snyder cut fuck the snyder cut on that note <laughs> well done for a minute. Okay, I'm giving I'm giving you a round of applause for remembering that. By the way, that's fantastic. I mentioned it yesterday in our private group chat with the boys. I'm yeah. glad that you bloody remembered that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So yes, hashtag fuck the Snyder Cut, everyone. Hashtag it's too late, but fuck the Snyder Cut anyway. <laughs> we'll discuss why we're saying this next episode. So we'll be covering a bit of news. But um, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I've been Bav. I've been Fluff, and this has been Screen Masters.